Plaza Direct King's Court starts now. Points north, east, south, and west. We welcome you in. Kevin Slayton with you. This is the Monster Energy Drink, stl-cars.com, King's Court, right here on kevinslaytonshow.com. This is where you get the live version every day, 7 to 9 Central Time. Then, of course, the podcast is available right here on kevinslaytonshow.com, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find us. And it's every day, Monday through Friday. And don't forget our sports show, our Monster Energy Drink STL-Cars.com sports show comes your way at noon Central Time every day, Monday through Friday on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com. So we're all over the place. We give you the current events in the morning. We give you the sports in the afternoon. And that way you're informed and you don't have to do anything except listen with an open mind. Don't have to agree. You can disagree all you want. In fact, if you really disagree and you want to, just call us because we always have our phone lines open for you. 636-348-4460. 348-4460. Have you noticed a trend nationally in radio shows? They used to call them call-in shows, talk shows. They don't allow you to call in anymore. Some of them might let you text in. Oh, text us your comments because that way they don't have to really Address them if it makes them look stupid or if you know more than they do. But we welcome knowledge here. We welcome your knowledge if you know more than we do. And if you do, bring your facts. Fire away. We're not adverse to difference difference of opinion here. This is radio-free United States. That's what we do here. We don't mind it. We're here to tell you that A good start to your day is always going to involve a Monster Energy drink. In my case, it's the Zero Ultra. Ten calories, six carbs, no sugar. Bingo. Can't get any better than that. Now i got my boost of energy. I'll be sharp all day. I'll be focused if I have a meeting, which I don't. But I'll be focused on my two shows. I can be at the top of my game. That's what Monster Energy drinks all about. They sponsor athletes, events. They'll bring your favorite bands to your hometown. They'll throw a party around the event. It's more than just 
a drink in a can. It's a lifestyle in a can. Unleash the beast in you with Monster Energy Drink. That's what we do here. And we've already done it. That's why we're raring to go. You probably think, God, 7 o'clock, Slayton. How could you be so fired up? That's that Monster Energy Drink, baby. Plus, I'm passionate about the topical material. And we've got a lot of it today. Did you know, and you're going to find something out here that you never knew before, I I promise you, this is me maybe going out on a limb, a slight limb, but I'm going to give you the guarantee, the Slayton guarantee right now, that you did not know what I'm about to tell you. Are you ready? Get ready to increase your knowledge. You don't get it very often in this country anymore, anywhere, but you're going to get it right here. Are you ready? Are you on the edge of your seat? Residential racism is responsible for 80% of the health problems of all black people. Did you know that? Don't tell me you knew it because you didn't. You're lying if you tell me you knew that. Of course, they're lying to you, telling you that that's so. There's no such thing. But that's what liberals do. And it's increasingly black people. You know, I've I've been so critical of the white uh, liberal freaks who constantly want to bend over backwards to make sure that, oh, God, please don't think I'm a racist. Please. And they fuel the racial nonsense, the white people. But now it's the black community. It's almost as if the blacks are adopting the mentality that they're subservient to these white lunatics. Where did that happen? Hasn't the black community advanced in this country to the point where you don't have to answer to these white people who think they're your slave master. That they will form every thought in your brain. Al Sharpton, even though he's black, is also one of those slave masters. He thinks he can form every thought in a black person's brain. And these white people think so. But now increasingly, the black community is listening to these white lunatics and adopting such drivel and nonsense as residential racism is responsible for 80% of health problems in black people. So if you're a black person and you eat tons of fat and you eat a lot of fried foods and you eat a lot of greasy foods and you drink a lot and you eat a lot of French fries, that has nothing to do with your health problems. It's residential racism that's causing your health issues. Did you know that? You smoke. You've been smoking filterless cigarettes your whole life. That doesn't bother you, health-wise. It's residential racism that's bothering the black man and the black woman from a health standpoint. So just understand that. You know, you uh, catch a cold. Well, you didn't catch it because of the elements, or you didn't catch it because your vitamin intake was down. You caught it because of residential racism. They're actually saying this with a straight face. I saw a black woman saying it on national television. Of course, it's MSNBC. Does that really count? Does that count as national television? I don't think it does. Nah, it doesn't. Just an outlet. Residential racism. They make up a new term every day. And it always has to do with race. Now, if you're a, an old-fashioned Democrat out there and you're thinking to yourself, black or white, doesn't matter, when did I start falling victim for this idiocy? 
I got to stop. I really have to stop. You know, only the committed liberals, and by committed I mean they should be committed, would pay attention to such nonsense. If you're a Kennedy Democrat, you don't believe that bullshit. Please, tell me that you don't. Because there's something really missing in your brain if you do. (laughs) Residential racism. What other kind of racisms are there? The guy who reminds me of uh, Bubba Gump in Forrest Gump, or not Bubba Gump, but Bubba uh, Forrest Buddy in the military, when he's talking about all the different kinds of shrimp that he's going to produce when he gets out of the Army. He's going to get a shrimping boat, and he's going to make all kinds of shrimp. Well, now we got all kinds of racism. You didn't know that you had residential racism, did you? You have systemic, of course. That's always there. Systematic, that's just a derivative of systemic. But they're too goofy, so they... They, they trip over their own words. But now we've got residential. Let's not forget that. Historical. We have all kinds of different racisms in the pot out there. But residential, I think, takes the cake, doesn't it? But it's only, it's only responsible for your illnesses. <laughs> so if you've got a chronic cough and you go to the doctor and they tell you, hey, you've got a chronic cough, it's caused by maybe reflux or something of that nature. If you're black, you'd say to them, no, 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 doctor, you don't understand. I'm black. I live in a black neighborhood. I have residential racism. I'm here to get some treatment for my residential racism because that's causing my health problems. Uh, You're 67 pounds overweight. Uh, It has nothing to do with it, doc. You've got to start listening. It's residential racism. Yeah, but you smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. Uh -uh, Uh-uh, uh-uh. Stop right there, Doc. It's residential racism. So now we know. Is that why, perhaps, that uh, Claudine Gay was forced to resign at Harvard? Was it residential racism that got her, too? What kind of racism got her? Good old-fashioned racism? Systemic? Systematic? Historical? What kind got her? Because it has to be, it's like I was saying yesterday, black people don't get fired. There's not a single black person in this country that is unqualified for the job he or she is doing. If they lose their job, it is without question due to racism. Have you ever heard a black person in any high-profile job lose their job and have it be anything other than racism? I haven't. If it's a football coach, it's racism. Basketball coach, racism. President of Harvard, racism. Politician, voted out because of racism. It's always racism. Black people do no wrong. They're not incompetent at all in any anybody at any level. There's not a single black person that's incompetent or unqualified. If they lose their job, it's always racism. Now, how about the black thug who leaped over the judge's desk in Las Vegas yesterday and attacked a judge after being sentenced? Did he do that because of residential racism, do you suppose, or just because he's a black thug? I'm going to go with the latter. But that's racist on my part, and I know that, and I said it yesterday. And At the risk of repeating myself, I understand I'm inherently racist. Oh, that's the other one, inherent racism. That's another kind. You've got to remember that. There's all kinds of different flavors in the racism pool. Just have to know which one you are.
But you are definitely racist if you're white. You just got to understand which one. So keep this in mind. Any black person that loses their job loses it because of racism. The black person is always the victim. Always. They're taught that from a young age, mostly by white people. But, of course, the white people put that hatred on black people. Black people then hate themselves. Think they're inadequate. They can't achieve. So since I can't achieve, I am oppressed. And it's the white guy that's oppressing me, and I hate the white people. This is how liberals stir the pot. This is Obama's elixir. He's the guy that started all of this. And he's not even black. He's a mulatto. I'm sure I'm a racist of some sort for calling him a mulatto, but that's what he is. But he started it all. See, this country was getting along just fine on racial in racial areas. Did we have some issues? Sure, there's some pockets of bigotry. Blacks and whites. Indians, Asians, doesn't matter. There's always going to be bigots. Was it a problem in the country? Absolutely not. But it is now. Because of Obama and his liberal media counterparts, they have stirred the racism pot so strongly and so badly that white people are sick of it. Sick of it. And there's going to be a racial problem in this country that's bigger than Obama, I'll guarantee you. Because it is reaching a boiling point. When, when you're sitting there and you hear this asinine woman, this black woman, residential racism is responsible for 80% of the health problems in black America, shove it up your ass. You're so full of crap, it's coming out your ears, you bigoted black racist. That's what she is. You hateful black woman. That's what she is. Those people sicken me. Those people in the media sicken me who allow that. This entire black-white thing sickens me, and I'm sick of it. Can you tell? So we will call it out here. We will not hesitate to call it what it is. It is simple racism on the part of the black community when they spew that kind of nonsense. Motivated by white racists. Again, let's, let's understand something, okay? DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, is racism. When you're favoring a group of people simply because of the color of their skin, that's racism at its very core. If you believe in DEI, you're a racist. There's no question about that. You can't get around it. That's what you are. Which tells you what's going on in universities in this country. At every university, they believe in this bullshit. And so they are racist. These universities are inherently racist. They just make it up. They make it up, then they pin it on you. Are you dumb enough to take it? I'm not. I'm not taking their load of crap. I don't, I don't care what black people think of me. I couldn't care less. You know what? I have a lot of respect from black people because I've lived with black people. I've in, enjoyed the company of black people through my life through basketball. 
through my son's basketball. I've gotten to meet tons of black families, kids. So I have no problem where my standing is, and they understand where I'm coming from. Because when you engage in an actual conversation with people, I think most people, smart people, appreciate it. And I don't want to engage in a conversation with dumb people. I don't want to lower myself to talk to a stooge and somehow have them rub off on me. Some racist like Obama, would you even want to have a conversation with that clown? He's a bigot. He's always been. I think he hates himself from both sides. He's half black, he's half white. He hates himself. There's a lot to hate, mind you. He's a detestable human being. And he's nothing more than a two-bit racist. The fact that a good half of this country thinks he's some sort of angel tells you how effed up this country actually is. If that's the guy that you think is to be respected in this country, you have severe problems. Your residential racism is only the beginning. And then, of course... We have the plagiarist at Harvard, but it's not plagiarism. And all of the black faculty at Harvard is going to tell you that it's not. You're going to hear from them. These are faculty members at Harvard, a once-respected university, never again. Harvard has forever lost its luster. It will never garner the respect it once had, ever. This is what liberals do. They tear down institutions even though they don't think they are, because they're not very smart. They destroy institutions, and they'll never come back. There will never be respect for the FBI again. Will anybody in this country ever trust the CIA, the FBI, the Department of Justice, Harvard, ever again? Of course not, unless you're a buffoon. Any university, for that matter. So this is what they do. You're going to hear from a Harvard law professor, a current professor of law at Harvard, a black man who, by the way, needs some real help in his fashion, in his clothing fashion. This guy has one of these collars that looks like it came out of 1970. It's, it's spreading out over his lapel and his tie is loosened, even though he wants it to be tight because the button's buttoned. <laughs> this, these are how these nerds dress. And this black guy gets on there and tells you that you don't even know what plagiarism is because Harvard now has redefined plagiarism. Mind you, the 50 instances of plagiarism that Claudine Gay is guilty of are all according to the standards that Harvard has set out for what plagiarism is. So their own standards she violated, and yet black professors at Harvard are stepping up. You'll hear from two of them today. And telling us that we don't know what plagiarism is and that she's not guilty. It's only because she's black. Nobody feeds racial fires more than black people saying that kind of bullcrap. I got news for black people. White people hate you when you do that. They're sick of it. White people are not inherently racist. In fact, I defy you to find one. Go ahead, professor. 
go find me a white racist. Now, if you want to look the rest of your life, you'll find some. But find me one today. Go ahead. But I'll find you a black racist real fast. You. You, professor, are a black racist. That's how easy that was. Carol Swain, who I think everybody respects, black, white, doesn't matter, liberal, conservative, a a black woman who worked her way up from the most difficult circumstances when she was a teenage girl and was pregnant, ended up going to Princeton, ended up being on the faculty at Vanderbilt forever, is a distinguished author and commentator, and that's who Claudine Gay plagiarized. Her work, Carol Swain's work. And Carol Swain isn't one of these uh, house people who's going to go along with the crowd of Obama and tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all racism. In fact, she's demanding through her lawyer answers from Harvard as to what they're going to do about her work being stolen by the president of Harvard, who's now resigned. But who the Harvard faculty members, black members, say should still be there because she's only out because of racism. Well, wait a minute. Carol Swain's black. Carol Swain says it isn't racism. She wants to know what you're going to do about stealing her work and attaching your name to it. The very definition of plagiarism, by the way. Do you know who the top dog in the Harvard Corporation is, who runs the Harvard Corporation? It's essentially, Harvard thinks it's above everybody. So instead of calling it the Board of Curators, as Missouri calls theirs, Harvard calls them the Harvard Corporation. It's the same thing. But the head of the Harvard Corporation is a woman by the name of Penny Pritzker. Do you know who Penny Pritzker is? Yeah, you've probably figured it out by now. That's good old Governor J.B. Pritzker's sister. That hack job over in Illinois who's destroyed Illinois. Yep, that's his sister, all right. And right now, they Harvard stands by good old Penny, although Bill Ackman, the billionaire alum from Harvard, and Chris Rufo, the journalist from Harvard, both are calling for her to be dismissed. And so are a lot of other Harvard donors, big-time donors. They want good old Penny Pritzker out. And my guess is she'll be out. She's white, as you as you probably know, so she really has no chance. What's she going to yell? Racism? She can't play that race card. So she's as good as gone. She's a goner. <laughs> and she ought to be gone. Every time somebody isn't qualified, like Claudine Gay was, she was never qualified, Penny Pritzker rushed that little selection group in. I mean, the the Harvard president just retired in June. So that's how quick the search committee found Claudine Gay. How did they find her so quick? Oh, she's a black female. That's how. And every time an unqualified black person loses the job, they use race because they're underachievers. She has no work ethic, no accomplishments whatsoever. She's a thief. Now, do you ever hear Asians or the Indian community screaming about racism? Do you ever hear them? 
Why not? Because they respect hard work. They respect education. They respect working for what they get. They're not looking for handouts. Now, why are they not looking for handouts? Why do why does the black community moreover look for handouts than the Asians or the Indians? I'll tell you why. Because white people told them they should, and black people listened. Don't worry. Your plot in life has nothing to do with you. It's the white man. And so they want handouts. And if you don't give them to them, you are a racist. Now, Pete Buttigieg said our streets are racist. So we have residential racism. We have street racism. We have inherent racism, systemic and systematic, historical Anybody want to add anything to the pot? (laughs) I mean, there's a lot out there. A whole lot. Remember how Harvard started out, as our research director pointed out to us, that it was a Christian university. It was to educate men of the cloth. So we might add Christian racism to the pot. Maybe that's why Claudine Gay has been booted. Christian racism. So we've got it all out there. The media, of course, is defending uh, the bigot Claudine Gay, who, by the way, decided now that she would write an op-ed in the New York Times. And in the New York Times, did she say, I was wrong to not condemn genocide calls on our campus? No. She says that at a congressional hearing last month, I fell into a well-laid trap. Poor thing. Because she's black, of course, she was oppressed. She was tricked. She was tricked into being trapped. My critics found instances in my academic writings where some material duplicated other scholars' language without proper attribution. That's what she claims she did. That's all you did? Are you sure about that? I mean, honestly, are you sure that that's all you did? You simply had some of your material, your academic writings, duplicated from other scholars' language, except that it's not true. That's a lie. And that's why attorneys who represent Carol Swain have sent a letter to the Harvard Corporation, Penny Pritzker, and they want to know what remedies Harvard will seek to make for the unauthorized use of Carol Swain's work. In the letter, it says, through its acts, omissions, and public statements surrounding the use of Dr. Swain's work, the Harvard Corporation is now invested in this matter and its subsequent outcome. How many instances of duplicative language in a scholarly work would constitute plagiarism, the letter asked. Five? Would five do it? Would 50? Carol Swain herself posted on Twitter, have a sit-down conversation with the people who've been harmed by the plagiarism of gay and the system that protects her. She called for Gay to be fired post-haste last month. 
Stop listening to the apologists for plagiarism, Carol Swain wrote. Some free, unsolicited advice for Harvard. Stop listening to the racist mob of whites and blacks who cry racism while being among the worst offenders. This is coming from a black woman. She wrote, Harvard can't condemn Ms. Gay because she is the product of an elite system that holds minorities of high pedigree to a lower standard. This harms academia as a whole, and it demeans Americans of all races who've had to work hard for everything they've earned. But that's not what Claudine Gay says. She says, it's not lost on her that I make an ideal canvas for projecting every anxiety about the generational and demographic changes unfolding on American campuses. A black woman selected to lead a storied institution. It's all about racism to her. She didn't do anything wrong. The campaign against me was about more than one university and one leader. This was merely a single skirmish in a broader war to unravel public faith in pillars of American society. Boy, she thinks she's important, doesn't she? She really does. Here's why you were fired. You're incompetent. You have no leadership skills whatsoever. You couldn't answer a simple question when it was asked of you 17 times. You're anti-Semitic. You're a bigot. You're a racist. And you lied. In addition, you then refused to apologize for your inadequacies. And then it was discovered that you were stealing scholarly work from a true scholar and passing it off as your own. Don't give me this nonsense about attribution. You lifted word-for-word verbatim paragraphs 50 times. You are worthless. We shouldn't even be talking about someone as worthless as Claudine Gay. She's an embarrassment to any community she touches, whether it's the black community, the academic community, the Harvard community, the Harvard corporation, the Ivy League itself, and this wench is still getting $900,000 a year from that lunatic bin known as Harvard. But the media, oh, you bigots, how dare you? What happened to Claudine Gay was mob pressure. There is this sort of open war on black progress, black history. Um, Claudine Gay, the president uh, of Harvard University, at least up until she resigned, um, is now the latest casualty of that. There very much is a racial uh, component. It looks as though she was targeted. The fact that she's a black woman and the first person uh, who is a, a black American to lead Harvard uh, only added to their thirst to dethrone her. <laughs> the fact that she was black only added to their thirst to dethrone her. Thro- dethrone her. These people think she was some sort of a queen. Some sort of royalty. She's removed from the throne. By the way, no one removed her. She removed herself. She resigned. She wasn't fired. And she didn't even resign. 
She only resigned a title. She's getting paid a million dollars a year, 900000 plus a year. For what? That is a loony bin. That's an asylum up there. That woman has done more to destroy Harvard forever than any person in Harvard's 388-year history. And the media bigots, all of them black that you just heard except for one white loon, weighing in, it's all racism. Of course it's racism. I mean, Randall Kennedy is a black professor of law at Harvard. Have you seen any evidence, uh, Professor Kennedy, that President Gay plagiarized material from Carol Swain or anyone else? I have not seen any evidence that uh, Claudine Gay was uh, guilty of true plagiarism. This is part of a well-orchestrated, misleading smear of Claudine Gay and of Harvard University. Well-regulated smear. He hasn't seen any evidence of, altogether class, true plagiarism. I guess he has seen some false plagiarism, but not true. No, I'm, no there's not any true plagiarism there, guys. I haven't seen any of that. Nope, no true plagiarism. These people are unbelievable, aren't they? They will try to redefine everything in order to fit their sick ideology, and they are sick. These are some really sick people. Randall Kennedy is an abject racist. He's black. He's a law professor at Harvard. I'm starting to wonder if Harvard has any white professors anymore because everyone I see that gets quoted and everyone I see that's on television is black. Do they have any white people up there? We know they don't want Jews. What about just plain old white folk? Are they welcome at Harvard? We know they don't like Asians. Who does Harvard like? Black people. That's it. And they'll go to such extremes that they'll make a black person president of Harvard who's eminently unqualified. And then when she screws up, which was without question inevitable, it's racism. You want to talk about a well-laid trap, Claudine Gay? The well-laid trap is set by the black community and the white bigots who want you to think everything about this country is racist. That's the well-laid trap. Hire a black person, give them a high-ranking job. They're not qualified for it in this particular case. There's, don't get me wrong. There's plenty of black people qualified, but she's not. She never was. But hire one that's not qualified, and then when they, go to, when they screw up and you have to get rid of them, it's racism because that's what they want. They would rather beat the racism drum than actually put a qualified black person in that responsible position. What does that get them? Nothing. You can't scream racism. When it's, when it's let's, let's use Carol Swain as an example. If Harvard had hired Carol Swain, would any of this have happened? No. Would Harvard be a much better institution if they had hired Carol Swain? Absolutely. But they wouldn't do that. She's eminently qualified. But they couldn't yell racism because she would never get fired. Or she would never have to resign because of her own incompetence. But Randall Kennedy hasn't seen any evidence. 
even though Carol Swain's attorneys are demanding remedies from Harvard for the abject plagiarism of taking Carol Swain's work and claiming it was her own. Ms. Gay. So Randall Kennedy, black professor of law at Harvard, is telling the whole world that Carol Swain is a liar. Carol Swain. She has universal respect. Dr. Tabia Lee is also black. She's a black female. She was in charge of DEI at a university. She has had an awakening. Um, this is, we're seeing the fruits of labor of this toxic critical social justice ideology and how committed the ideologues are to preserving it and advancing it. Um, what happened with Claudine Gay has nothing to do with race or gender identity checkboxes. But what you see these uh, mainstream pundits doing now is attempting to convince all of us that that's what this is about. It's simply not true. Mm -hmm. This is about educational leadership and fitness to lead. And as we saw in the congressional hearings, McGill, Gay, Cornbluff, they all demonstrated an ineptitude to lead during these times and to address anti-Semitism on their campuses. And they all should have resigned the day after if they had any kind of moral courage or, you know, um, conscience. That's what they would have done. Um, with the cover-up that took place with Harvard Corporation and Gay and trying to tell us, you know, that what we were seeing isn't uh, plagiarism when we see whole paragraphs lifted from uh, scholars' work, it's just ridiculous. And it shows their deep commitment. They're willing to distort reality, uh, objective truth means nothing to these people what matters is their ideology and preserving it by any means necessary carpe quadruple diem to dr tabia lee now that's a black woman who was in charge of dea at a university and as she observed because she can think for herself a critical thinker she realized right away man this is nothing but bullcrap i'm out I'm out. Pundit Ned Ryan understands. He knows that meritocracy is now just some sort of racism. Apparently, meritocracy is some form of racism and white supremacy yeah. because Claudine Gay, at the, at the heart of all of this, is a deeply mediocre person who was put into that position not because of merit, but because she checked a box. And Harvard was exposed on that. And I think that's another embarrassment for Harvard that they don't want to fully in engage with is that they are completely embarrassed. They checked a box. They bought into this belief system of DEI and were completely exposed by it because Claudine Gay is clearly not up to uh, what it took to be the president of Harvard and lacked any moral authority or clarity on being able to call out anti-Semitism. Quite frankly, yeah. because at the at the heart of it, DEI is racism and quite frankly, is anti-Semitic because anytime you view the, ra the world through the race of lens, by its very definition, you are a racist. No question. No question. Liberals don't get that part. They really don't. They think because they're what, what they consider to be standing up for a harmed black person, that they're not a racist. You are an abject racist. This woman wasn't harmed by anyone except herself and her own incompetence. It had nothing to do with being black, even though the liberals want it to be, and they make it into that, and that's what pisses people off, and it's really pissing people off. 
And Dr. Tabby Lee, once again, here's how dangerous this is. As I've said, Harvard will never, ever be restored to what it once was, to what it was once considered to be. Maybe it never was, but it was once considered to be the premium institution in this country of higher education. We all understand that. But it never will be again. And who's to blame for that? Not just Claudine Gay, but people like Randall Kennedy, Penny Pritzker. And Dr. Tabby Lee knows that. She said it's almost too late to go back and rescue these universities from themselves. We're seeing how deeply committed individuals are to this toxic ideology. They're willing to redefine racism, redefine anti-Semitism, redefine plagiarism, uh, and, and, and almost anything to fit their toxic worldview. Um, and many of us are waking up and we're saying enough is enough. Um, and we need changes in the leadership, not just the leadership, uh, but we need more oversight into what's being taught in classrooms by uh, faculty members. Yeah. Uh, because if it's this toxic ideology uh, and that's it, with no viewpoint diversity, we're in trouble as a, as a society and as higher educations of learning. Carpe diem, Dr. Tabby Lee. Here's another good one for you. I said earlier that it was the standards of Harvard, their own plagiarism standards, that Claudine Gay violated. Their own standards. And yet you hear Randall Kennedy, the professor of law, that she didn't commit true plagiarism. No, not true plagiarism. And yet in Harvard's own guide, it says this, and I quote verbatim, taking credit for anyone else's work is stealing, and it is unacceptable in all academic situations, whether you do it intentionally or by accident. Now, she claims she simply didn't attribute, she she had an air of omission. She didn't attribute it to Carol Swain or other scholars. By the way, when you say other scholars, Claudine Gay, you're not a scholar. So leave yourself out of that, please. That discussion is for actual scholars. Dr. Tabby Lee, for instance, Carol Swain, two black women who, by the way, would have been so much more qualified for that job than you. You are not a scholar. You're a thief. You're a liar, you're an anti-Semite, and you're a bigot. You're all those things. So you do have a lot of things on your resume. They're just not real good. That's Harvard's own definition of plagiarism. Our director of research found that. (laughs) It goes on to say it doesn't matter whether the source is a published author, another student, a website without clear uh, authorship, a website that sells academic papers, or any other person. So in other words, if you take credit for anyone's work, no matter the situation, no matter what your intent was, it's plagiarism. And they they said it's stealing. And yet they're defending her. How, you ask? I'll explain it to you. Liberals are mentally ill. That's how. Now, if you think Randall Kennedy is the only black professor at Harvard who utters such stupidity and nonsense, you'd be wrong. Cornell William Brooks, he's the, he of the three names. Who, who other people in history? Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, John Wilkes Booth, James Earl Ray, those guys all had three names. Cornell William Brooks has three names. He's a Harvard professor in the Kennedy Business School. 
Now, Cornell isn't in the law school, but he, like his counterpart, Professor Kennedy, thinks it's all racism and that Claudine Gay did nothing wrong. When three presidents go to Capitol Hill and they testify, it is the black president, the black woman president, the president of Harvard, whose entire academic career is put under a microscope. This is not about plagiarism. It's really about an attack on higher education, an attack on diversity. (laughs) So when three presidents go to Capitol Hill, two are white, one is black and only the black person's work is examined, here's the answer to that Cornell William Brooks, esteemed professor of the Kennedy Business School at Harvard, which tells you all you need to know about the Kennedy Business School at Harvard. I'm sure Cornell William Brooks was also hired because affirmative action helped out because he sure as hell isn't smart. Her work was examined altogether class. I think the whole class knows the answer to this. Because she cheated. She committed plagiarism. That's why her works were examined. Isn't that funny how that works? By the way, just so you know, Cornell, the president of Penn, who was also there, resigned. Now, very similarly, resigned as president, but then waltzed over into the math department where she will continue to get her huge salary. You don't fire these people at Harvard and Penn. You just move them around. They keep getting their money. We're awaiting the fate of the president of MIT, but that's only a matter of days. There's no possible way the MIT president can survive when the other two didn't. But when I say survive, I'm using that term loosely. Wouldn't you love to survive like Claudine Gay is surviving the poor thing, 900 plus thousand a year? What if she does she even teach a class? You know the answer to that. No, of course not. She teaches as often as Jill Biden and Joe Biden teach. Joe Biden got a million dollars at Penn. Same place that Liz McGill was the president. Never taught a class. million bucks. You know, we think of Al Sharpton as the all-time shakedown artist, but Biden's got to be right there. I mean, in, in, in terms of sheer dollar value, hasn't Biden shaken down more than Al Sharpton? I think so. I think that pisses Al Sharpton off, too. He wants to be the shakedown king, but he's not. He is not. He most definitely is not. So Cornell Williams Brooks says that, well, it's because only the black president had the work scrutinized. Jesse Waters, is that true? Just this summer, the white president of Stanford was forced to resign for faulty research. The University of South Carolina president, a white man, had to resign after plagiarizing just one speech, not 50, one. Even the president of UPenn, Liz McGill, a white woman, pretty white, was forced out after she flunked the same hearing Gay did. Gay got let off easier than all of these whites. She got to keep her million-dollar salary and her job at Harvard. And in truth, as I said, McGill did too. But the other two didn't. Pretty amazing, isn't it? So I guess Dr. Cornell Williams Brook is a liar. Or he's stupid. You choose, but it's one of the two. 
Either way, he's a professor at the Harvard Business School, the Kennedy Business School, and he's either dumb or he's a liar. But there's no third choice. Because he said only the black president would have their work examined. And we just gave you examples where that's not true. In fact, the one guy fired for one example of plagiarism. One time. They have discovered 50 on her, so you know it's more like 100. I don't think people like Christopher Rufo are going to stop looking. I don't think Bill Ackman is going to stop looking. I think they're going to find more. That won't stop Harvard. She will never be fired. Fired as president. And she wasn't even fired as president. She resigned that title. And you can imagine that part of the negotiation said, I'll go ahead and resign, but I keep my salary. Okay. That's how filthy rich Harvard is. What does that say to the students at Harvard, by the way? That you can plagiarize other people's works, and as long as you're black, you'll still get your full salary. But if you're a Jew, uh-uh, uh-uh. We know they don't like Asians because they discriminate against Asians in the admissions process. We found that out through a lawsuit. And we now have discovered they don't like white people. Again, I'll go back to my original question. Who does Harvard like other than black people? Incompetent black people. We have now heard from three utterly incompetent black people who are faculty members at Harvard. I haven't heard from any white people yet. I'm sure there are incompetent white people there, too. But we know that affirmative action got Randall Kennedy his law professor job at Harvard. We know that affirmative action got Cornell Brooks Williams, or Williams Brooks, I, I confuse his three names, his job in the Kennedy Business School. And we know affirmative action got Claudine Gay her job. So Harvard is all about affirmative action. We'll hire any black person, no matter how unqualified they are, and we'll pay them exorbitant amounts of money and promote them of some sort of academician, even though they're stupid. All three of those people are monumentally stupid. And they're professors at Harvard. Case closed. And then came the list, or so we thought. Everyone was promised this list of Jeffrey Epstein's, the client list that's going to be revealed Who's going to be on it? What names? Some have already leaked out. Prince Andrew. Bill Clinton. Donald Trump had an association with Epstein at one point. Of course, fellow billionaires all hang together. So a lot of the people that have associations with him are business associates. And this is a warning, and Monica Crowley will warn you here in a few moments. You've got to be very careful with stuff like this. Just because someone did business with Jeffrey Epstein doesn't make them a pedophile. It doesn't matter who it is. I can't stomach Bill Gates, and it appears that Bill Gates, there's more to meet than meets the eye in, in his relationship with him, but we don't know it yet. Bill Clinton, there's a little bit more damning evidence that came out in these documents. This was not a list. These were documents. There's something like a 1,000 pages of documents that were released from a civil suit against Epstein by one of his victims that was settled. Now, 
In the documents, the victim was asked by a lawyer about Bill Clinton uh, and, and the conversation that she had had with Epstein regarding Clinton. She quoted Epstein as saying, he really likes young girls. Charlie Hurt, what was your first thought? I guess uh, right off the top, sadly, it's not a it's probably not news to anyone that Bill Clinton liked him young. Um, this has been sort of uh, an, an open secret for a long time, uh, which is kind of disturbing in and of itself. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's kind of amazing to stop and think about this, uh, how a guy like this who had so much money and it's always been sort of cl- unclear exactly where uh, Epstein's money came from. But it doesn't really matter in the realm of politics and celebrity in America. You and and in terms of uh, you, you know, if you have the money, you can get access to anybody you want, and you can basically do whatever you want. And then the really shocking part of it is that for decades after that, you can. It appears uh, this is the, what it looks like. Uh, you can conceal your misdeeds. Even in the Justice Department, even through, you know, protect your misdeeds from justice, if you've got that kind of money. Unless your name is Donald Trump. Donald Trump didn't have any misdeeds, and they want to somehow stain him with Jeffrey Epstein. All accounts have indicated that when Trump found out about Epstein's behavior, he threw him out of Mar-a-Lago when he caught him hitting on a young assistant. Banned him from Mar-a-Lago. Never talked to him again. Never did business with him. If he ever did business with him. I don't know if he ever actually did business with him. Here's a a typical Trump-hating goober who, posing as a journalist, interviewed a lawyer. Now, this lawyer by the name of Bradley Maxwell, represented one of the victims. Well, actually represented 70 of them. That's right. I said it correctly. 70 victims. Bradley Edwards, I said Maxwell. And the Trump hater tries to convince Bradley Edwards that Donald Trump's supporters will never accept that Donald Trump has some sort of connection to Epstein, even though the reporter, quote-unquote, is lying. Obviously, our current president has had relationships with Epstein in the past, and there are those, uh, Katie Johnson and maybe other victims, who accuse Trump of being involved in things like this. Um, In my experience, Trump supporters will not listen to anything along those lines. Obviously, we're not a court of law here right now, but are those claims that that case was dropped? It was dropped before it went to to court. In your opinion as a lawyer and your experience, is there anything you can say as to the validity of those claims or whether or not there will be any, you know, any more about that? Nothing at all. I, the only thing that I can say about President Trump is that he is the only person who in 2009, when I served a lot of subpoenas on a lot of people, or at least gave notice to some pretty uh, connected people that I was going, that I wanted to talk to them, he is the only person who picked up the phone and said, let's just talk. I'll give you as much time as you want. I'll tell you what you need to know. And was very helpful in the information that he gave and gave no indication whatsoever that he was involved in 
anything untoward whatsoever, but had good information that checked out and that helped us, sure. and that we didn't have to take a, a, a deposition of him. That was in 2009? That was in 2009. So... Do you know if there's any truth to James Patterson's claims that Trump kicked Epstein out of Mar-a-Lago? I've definitely heard that. There's a, there's a liberal reporter thinking he's got a guy who's going to tear Trump to pieces and gets his ass handed to him because the lawyer was honest. One guy out of all the people in Epstein's orbit that this lawyer was either going to issue a subpoena to or issued a subpoena to and wanted to talk about different events, what information can you give me? doesn't mean you're guilty, but I want to know what you know. One guy called him up. Gave him all the time he wanted. Was helpful in getting convictions. Because of what Trump had known, what he heard. All the lawyer had to do was follow it. Here's what I've heard. Go go check it out. One guy. Donald Trump. Now, that'll never make it to the mainstream media. Ever. But you heard it right here. Alan Dershowitz was slandered by the media. Why? Because he defended Donald Trump in the impeachment hearing. And so they decided to put uh, Alan Dershowitz in the Epstein orbit and had a woman claim that somehow Dershowitz was part of this pedophile ring. Dershowitz loudly proclaimed his innocence, indeed requested of the court that they release all of the information, all of the documents, because it exonerates him. And he told his story last night. Do these documents clear you? And these documents, if all the documents are revealed, will prove categorically that she did misidentify me, that I never met her, never heard of her, never uh, spoke to her. Uh, And I can prove it by independent means. I have all my travel records. I have all my uh, television appearances. I can prove that I couldn't possibly have been anywhere near any of the people who were involved in this. I was Epstein's lawyer. Of course I flew on his plane with Ken Starr, with uh, Roy Black, with other lawyers. We flew to meetings with the U.S. attorney, with the state attorney. Um, and so people have to be very careful about what they're believing and when it happened. For example, as soon as Epstein was shown to be what he was, I ended my personal association with him completely, but I maintained a legal relationship with him. I represented some of the worst people in the world and continue to do so. That's my life. And there's nothing wrong with that life. And people say, how can you represent someone like that? Because he's a lawyer, that's why. And because Epstein pays big fees, that's why. (laughs) It's not hard to figure it out. Epstein's a good-paying client. You don't have to believe in him. You don't have to think he's a cool guy. You simply have to believe that he deserves a defense if he comes to you and asks to retain you and will pay you. You are then bound to give him the best defense you can give him. Or you don't take the case one or the other. But it doesn't mean that Alan Dershowitz is involved. But that's how they tried to smear him. They actually had a woman make that claim. Now, when he says he could prove independently that he wasn't involved... It's not his burden to prove. In this country, you're innocent until someone else proves you guilty. You don't have to prove your innocence. Fortunately for him, he can do it 
But in most cases, people can't. Can't prove that you're innocent. And Dershowitz had some choice words for the Me Too movement. And I understand all the feminist groups and the radicals who think this is the worst thing in the world that anybody ever had any contact with Jeffrey Epstein. Where are all those radical feminists when it comes to the Hamas rapes of young Jewish girls, sexual abuse, beheadings? They are quiet. They are silent. The incredible hypocrisy of the Me Too movement. Me Too, except if you're a Jew. If uh, And I want to have a list of all the radical feminists who are pushing hard, and I understand that, to get all these names revealed, and I want to know how many of them have ever actually condemned Hamas for the rapes that we now know occurred and the murders that occurred, how many have been silent, and how many, like the National Lawyers Guild, have actually approved of what Hamas did. So let's put this in context. I'm thrilled that all these papers have come out. I urged them. I went to court. I asked for everything to come out because I knew that I had done nothing wrong and the papers would exculpate me. What I only worry about is that maybe the judges withheld certain documents. I want to make sure every single document comes out, including the documents that cast doubt on the credibility of some of the accusers and some of the accused. I could not agree more. Let's get everything out there. Let's find out who's innocent, who's guilty. Isn't that only fair? Seems to me it is. That's the way it should work. Never does, though, does it? Pam Bondi, the former attorney general down in Florida. Pam, what do you want to know right now after all of this information came out? I want to know why A.G. Garland and the Justice Department are so quiet on this tonight. You know, they're out there labeling parents domestic terrorists, yet they're saying nothing about this. And these documents were so slow to come out. Um, human trafficking is a multi-billion dollar business in this country. And Jeffrey Epstein is dead. And Gerlaine Maxwell is in prison for 20 years where she belongs. And if people in that report are still fighting to keep their names private... They have no legal basis to do so unless they're a child, a victim, or a cooperating defendant by some chance against some potential case against Gerlaine Maxwell. She's 100% right. Where is Merrick Garland on all this? Why so quiet? He's always quiet, isn't he? Unless it's about Trump. It must be awfully frustrating for liberals right now. They just cannot pin anything on Trump. Nothing. No matter how much they try to slander him and smear him, it always blows up in their face. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, uh, Donald Trump has to be one of the most pure people on earth. As much scrutiny as has been thrown his way, and nothing comes up. Now, you don't have to like him. Different personalities for different folks. But as far as any of the kinds of accusations that have been levied against him, none of them are true. Because if any of them were true, with all of the resources liberals have devoted to getting him, all you have to do is ask Dershowitz, who's a liberal, what they've tried to do to get Donald Trump. 
He wrote a book about it. They can't get him. It's incredible. It's, it shows you how incompetent, truly, liberals are. They have devoted everything they have in terms of resources and money and skullduggery and lying and cheating and manufacturing evidence and, and lying. Did I say lying? And lying. And they still can't get him on anything because he didn't do any of it. You can bet your last nickel, had he done any of it, he'd be in deep trouble. Because he's a billionaire and he spoke to Jeffrey Epstein at some point in his life, and Jeffrey Epstein was at some similar parties, Trump's a bad guy. That's why you got to be careful. This is not a list of Epstein's clients. This is documentation in a lawsuit. The two guys that come out of this looking the worst are Bill Clinton and Prince Andrew. And there has to be a lot more investigating into that too, to be honest with you. It's unbelievable. Pam Bondi distinguishes between Clinton's behavior and Donald Trump. And he was on the plane called the Lolita Express. He has been a friend of his, a continuing friend of his for years and years. Contrast that with Donald Trump, who hasn't spoken to him in many years, over a decade, after he kicked him out of Mar-a-Lago for bad behavior. So that's the difference there. Quite a difference. Donald Trump was never on the Lolita Express, never on Epstein Island. Simply ran in different billionaire circles in New York City that Epstein was in. That's all. A lot of guys are in that circle, by the way. And they're not guilty of anything. And we don't know yet for sure if Clinton is, but we do know that he was on the Lolita Express. That we know. The log records say so. The flight logs. Can't get around that one. Monica Crowley, should we be careful, as I've been saying all along? Jeffrey Epstein did have some legitimate business. He had at least three planes, two of which were used for legit business purposes. One was tricked out with a bed and come to be known as the Lolita Express. So I think we have to be very careful about painting everybody whose names we see associated with Jeffrey Epstein with the same brush. But by the same token, the American people deserve answers on this and they deserve transparency. Yes, I think they do, especially when it comes to high-ranking political figures. We need to know if if those people were involved. But we don't need to smear them. We don't need to smear their names if they weren't involved. That's not something we need to do. But let's get evidence. But all of this media attention claiming some list was going to be revealed, and on that list we were going to find out once and for all who was going on the Lolita Express to Epstein Island and having sex with underage women was just another media lie. Just another media lie. Never ends with the media. And because they get caught giving you another lie, and they really have nothing coming out of this documentation other than the two things that we've mentioned. 
they're going to try to smear somebody to make it look as though it was worthwhile. So who knows who it'll be? It ain't going to be Trump anymore. They can't even go down that road anymore. They've been embarrassed. But it won't stop people from talking about Donald Trump in other ways, like CNN, who now has hired Adam Kinzinger as something they call their senior political commentator. (laughs) Imagine this little nerd who gets essentially booted out of the Republican Party, who sucks up to Pelosi and Liz Cheney, who gets on the January 6th illegally constituted committee, unconstitutional group of people if ever there was one, no basis in law for forming that committee, cries, cries while asking questions, parlays that into a job at CNN as the senior political commentator, then, (laughs) I mean, this guy knows, he has no shame, none whatsoever. Then goes on CNN to pontificate about President Trump's legal situation in Colorado, (laughs) where the Colorado Supreme Court has taken his name off the ballot. Mind you, Adam Kinzinger is not a lawyer. Well, I mean, it's obviously no surprise the party is really in, it's Trump's party now. I mean, he, he owns all the mechanisms of it. They believe that he was wrongfully taken off the ballot. And I think what's obvious here is I think each side can make a compelling argument when they're speaking. It's just going to have to go to the Supreme Court. And I think it shows a failure of our political system to an extent that we keep having to go now to the Supreme Court to answer these questions and we can't do it, you know, in-house, so to speak, within democracy, within our republic. We have to keep having the Supreme Court make a decision, but that's what it's going to come down to. And, you know, I have no idea which way they're going to go, but ultimately their word will have to be the final and have repercussions throughout future history in America because that will determine what the 14th Amendment does and doesn't allow. Does that guy sing his comments? He kind of does, doesn't he? Because that will tell us, that will be this. Can you imagine a guy that stupid? He just said both sides could make a compelling case. Again, he's not a lawyer, but he's playing one on TV. No, both sides cannot make a compelling case. In fact, even Democrats are saying they've gone too far. This will never stand up because it can't stand up. There's no legal backing for it whatsoever. And Kinzinger finds it troublesome to him that it's a failure of our political process that we go to the Supreme Court to determine legal questions. Hey, jackass, that's where you go to get legal opinions. You go to the Supreme Court. You don't go, as he said, in-house, in Congress. Oh, that's where we want legal opinions rendered from the most partisan group of human beings on God's green earth. This guy is beyond stupid. And yet CNN, which is well beyond, they they passed stupid decades ago, puts him on the air. The irresponsibility of media corporations in this country has reached its nadir. I mean, it is unbelievable how irresponsible they are the kind of people they put on the air. 
here's a guy who's not a lawyer criticizing the legal system as inadequate. It's inadequate that we have to go to the Supreme Court. What? Both sides could make a compelling argument. What are you talking about? What they should have said to him was, why don't you go ahead and make the argument for the Colorado Supreme Court? Let's see what you let's see what argument you would make. There's no argument to make. You little jackass. There's absolutely none. <laughs> but of course then you've got the other jackass, Jamie Raskin, who apparently skipped out of constitutional law class when Alan Dershowitz was teaching it at Harvard. And Raskin, who refuses to say Justice Tom, Clarence Thomas's name, thinks that Clarence Thomas should recuse himself from any hearing with regard to the Colorado Supreme Court's decision. Finally, the Supreme Court has developed what they're describing as a code of ethics. It's not binding in the sense that they're not going to anyone else. They could have gone to, for example, circuit court justices. You, you could have had state Supreme Court justices on a panel. But so they're... They're deciding for themselves, again, whether they're in violation of their code of ethics. But I think anybody looking at this in any kind of dispassionate, reasonable way would say, if your wife was involved in the big lie and claiming that Donald Trump had actually won the presidential election and been agitating for that and participating in the events leading up to January 6th, that you shouldn't be participating. So in, he should recuse himself. So he should. Oh, he absolutely should recuse himself. The question is, what do we do if he doesn't recuse mm-hmm. himself? Well, let me give you the answer, Raskin, okay, while you wear your do-rag and you fake cancer, which is shameless. Um, here's what you do. Nothing. You see? You can't do anything. You cannot force a Supreme Court justice to recuse himself at all. You've got no power over him. You'd love to have power because you liberals think you should have power over everybody, but you've got none. And there is no earthly reason for Clarence Thomas to recuse himself because his wife took part in what? Did he say Clarence Thomas's wife took part in an insurrection? First of all, there was no insurrection. Secondly, Clarence Thomas's wife did nothing. She's a Trump supporter. That's what she did wrong. Jamie Raskin can't handle that. When you're Supreme Court justice, you should not have any political views at all. Excuse me, not you, your wife. Liberals don't believe this is a free country. They believe that you have to think, act, and do what they tell you to do. Otherwise, they want to recuse you from everything, from life. They are a mentally sick group of people. There is no getting around it. Can't. It's impossible. Jamie Raskin. What a complete and total asshat he is. Good grief, man. What a freaking dope. Boy, he loves to talk like he's he's Mr. Arrogant, isn't he? He's one of the most arrogant people you'll ever hear. Now down in Texas we've got something brewing. Governor Abbott has put this wire. Have you seen the uh the wire fencing that he's put up on the border, and these illegals can't get through it. It'll cut them to pieces. So Brandon Johnson, the mayor of Chicago, this racist black man, I'm going to call racists out every time now. I don't care if they're black. He's a black racist. 
So he hates Abbott, A, because he's white, but B, because Brandon Johnson has been bragging about what a sanctuary city Chicago is, and Governor Abbott's been sending him some of the people that he covets so deeply. Here are the people that you want, you say, you're a sanctuary city. I'm going to give you your wish, your dream, your Christmas present. I'm going to send you a few of them. Not a lot, mind you. We get a million a day here, it seems like, in Texas. But we're going to send you a couple hundred. Can you handle that, Brandon? Apparently not. What is very clear is that not only are we providing uh, mental health-related services as well as vaccinations and health screenings and providing um, medical health care for these families when they arrive the moment they get off those buses, we're not seeing that same treatment on the border. In other words, there's no health screenings, no vaccinations. That process at the border is absolutely raggedy and, and reckless. But we cannot have a governor who decides that he's going to uh, cling to the vestiges of Jefferson Davis when we should be uh, pulling to the hopes and aspirations that were left by Frederick Douglass. We have to have a coordinated response to this humanitarian crisis. We cannot allow chaos to dictate and to divide this country. <laughs> he, did he really invoke Jefferson Davis? Really? Come on. And, of course, he complimented Frederick Douglass, who happens just happens to be black. But Jefferson Davis, of course, was the president of the Confederacy. So Governor Abbott is now Jefferson Davis. But we should be more like Frederick Douglass, according to the bigot Brandon Johnson. He's trying to equate millions of people crossing the southern border into Texas with a couple of hundred coming to Chicago. He's taking a victory lap that he's trying to take care of 200 people while down at the border, nobody's taking care of them. Whose responsibility is that? Nobody's. If anybody's, it's Biden's and the federal government, but it's nobody's because they shouldn't be crossing in. But your guy is letting them cross in. Our guy is saying, "Uh uh-uh, not in Texas, baby. Here comes the wire. So what is Biden doing when Governor Abbott put the wire fencing up? We'll let the governor tell you. Joe Biden is also challenging me in the United States Supreme Court right now, trying to uh, tear down the razor wire that Texas put up to stop illegal immigration. Joe Biden has spent no time uh, trying to stop illegal immigration. He's only spent time trying to stop Texas from stopping illegal immigration. Can you imagine this? Biden claims that he, oh, yeah, we, we've got to do something about the border. Of course, we know he doesn't mean it. Then when the chance is there, when Governor Abbott's actually doing something about it, Biden wants to destroy it. He wants to cut the wire. And he's going to court to get the court to try to back him up. By the way, the court never will. This is another losing proposition for Biden. I'm sure that people like John Roberts will try to find a loophole and say, well, you know, Texas, that's the federal government's responsibility. But I can't imagine the five conservative justices ever going along with that malarkey. But LBLL, you know, the little black lesbian liar, Karine Jean-Pierre, who got her job only because she's a black lesbian, no other reason, another one who's woefully incompetent, but if you fired her, you would either be a racist or a sexist or 
you'd be homophobic. She's got three things that you, you're going to be if you fire her. Look out. But she says the wire doesn't work because she's such an expert. Governor Abbott's uh, razor wire does not prevent. It does not prevent non-citizens from unlawfully crossing. That's not what it does. If anything, it puts at risk. It puts the lives of the Border Patrol at risk. It puts them in danger. So someone who's never been to the border, someone who's never put her hand on razor wire, someone who's never spoken to the Border Patrol agents, is telling you, that the razor wire doesn't work, doesn't prevent illegal crossings, and puts the Border Patrol agents at jeopardy. (laughs) You want to talk arrogant. But unfortunately for her, Pete Hegseth, who works at Fox and served our country proudly in the military, actually laid razor wire as part of his duties in the military. Pete, your response to that nonsense? (laughs) As an infantryman who's employed quite a bit of razor wire in my life, it definitely prevents and is intended to prevent. And when you put it in, wear gloves. That's helpful. (laughs) It works. And when you're installing it, wear gloves. But LBLL says it doesn't work. So who are you going to believe? Pete Hegseth, a proud military veteran who actually installed razor wire? Or LBLL, who just runs her stupid mouth? And really doesn't know anything. If it's possible to know less than Joe Biden, she does. Or it. Whatever it is. Did you see where uh, some plans by the Democrats in terms of the campaign for Biden have been sort of leaked out? That they're going to start beating the drums louder and louder. And then rather than just compare Trump to Hitler, they're going to start calling him Hitler. They actually had to put that in writing. That's how stupid they are. I think we've already heard Biden uh, uh, calling him Hitler. Remember back in September of 2022 when Biden took the uh, stage, I believe it was in Baltimore, somewhere around there, had the dark behind him with uh, red lights, red lighting, and two military guards standing at attention. Very reminiscent of Nuremberg. Very reminiscent of the beer halls that Hitler spoke in. And then he said this. The Republican Party today is dominated, driven, and intimidated by Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans. They fan the flames of political violence that are a threat to our personal rights, to the pursuit of justice, to the rule of law, to the very soul of this country. Every time he says rule of law, lightning strikes. Because there's been no president in our history who's broken the law more often than this guy. Rule of law. Mr. Rule of law. (laughs) Even Brit Hume, a Trump hater, understands that this monotonous commentary of Donald Trump's a threat to democracy has grown old has worn on the American people that it really is referring to January 6th as they hold on to January 6th. If you notice, Biden's going to have some ceremony on January 6th. The insurrection. Even Brit Hume understands its folly. 
Democrats ceaselessly really raise that our democracy is under threat by Trump are really pointing at January 6th. And I think most voters, or a great many of them anyway, they're not committed Democrats, look at January 6th and think it was an ugly riot. But it wasn't much of an insurrection. After all, how many insurrections of any moment have you ever heard of that ended by nightfall on the same night that they started? So I think people will have a hard time buying that. And I, and I think that, you know, the basic fact is that our democracy with its guide, with its uh, guardrails held up rather well against this supposed insurrection mounted on January 6th. So I'm not sure that this issue, uh, as fervently as many Democrats believe it and believe in it, is going to hold up very well. Did you notice how Fox changes with the wind? Brit Hume would have never said that three, four months ago. Tucker Carlson was fired for saying it. But the winds of change have come to Fox and people stop watching because they got sick of Fox's liberal turn. And now all of a sudden I'm hearing that it wasn't an insurrection from Brett Baer, Brit Hume. Never heard that before. It's never been an insurrection. Any person with a functioning brain understands that. If you have even an idea of what an insurrection is, even though I am one who believes we need one, that wasn't it. As a person who believes in the overthrow of a tyrannical government, because I believe in the Declaration of Independence, which tells me it's my duty, if that were our overthrow... I would be extremely disappointed. That was the weakest effort ever if that were indeed an attempt to overthrow the government, which it was not. But it's getting out of hand in this country in every aspect, and you just sit back and watch it happen. The liberals have caused it all. They will reap what they sow. You saw the black thug jump over the judge's desk in Las Vegas and try to kill the judge yesterday. Newt Gingrich was watching. We seem to be at a crossroads, aren't we, Newt? We have, we're at a crossroads between civilization and the kind of collapse uh, which uh, will take generations to recover from if we ever do. You saw some of that on the universities where you had people openly mm-hmm. saying they favored terrorism, they favored genocide. Uh, those of us who believe in civilization have to stand up and firmly commit ourselves to taking this country back in a direction of law and order, of real opportunities, of people having an ability to be safe uh, and to have an ability, frankly, to pursue happiness without somebody mugging you or robbing you or carjacking you. These are all real issues. As is safety for judges. Judge Esther Salas was on television this morning. Remember her? She was a federal judge or is a federal judge. But at one point had ruled on a case and the person she sent to jail had a family member show up at her door dressed as a FedEx delivery person. Her son answered the door. They murdered her son, then shot her husband three times, almost killed him trying to get to her. And so that's what we saw in Las Vegas yesterday. More of this thug civil unrest. That guy tried to kill that judge. Fortunately, the judge who took quite a beating in the hospital is going to recover. But fortunately, before he could do any more damage, either a court clerk or a court officer was on this guy lickety split 
And later there was video off to the side where it showed him just beating the crap out of this black guy, just pounding him one punch after another. And I was loving it. This is how you treat these people. You treat an animal like they're an animal. It's the only thing they understand. What are you going to do, negotiate with that guy? Hey, listen, you know, you shouldn't do that. Please don't jump over the judge's desk again and try to kill her. Okay, do we, do we have an agreement? That's how liberals act. That's how they think you get something done. No, you get something done by kicking the holy crap out of that guy so that the next time he thinks about doing that, if he does, he'll think better. Unless he digs getting his ass kicked again. But the next time he just put a bullet through his head. That's how you solve these things. You want to act like an animal, you get treated like an animal. If an animal attacks you and tries to kill you, wouldn't you shoot it? Of course you would. You're out in the woods and a grizzly bear comes at you. What are you going to do? Talk to it? Well, that's what that guy was yesterday. He was nothing but an animal. You don't talk to animals that are trying to kill you. You kill them. It's not. This is not hard. This country makes it hard because we have 17,000 different kinds of racism. Donald Trump's going to do a town hall meeting opposite of the Republican debate next week that's going to be held on CNN. That's a joke. And Ron DeSantis was asked if he were in Trump's position, would he attend the debate? Yes, I would debate because that's what you do. Uh, this is about the people. It's not about you. And look, he's got a situation where he gets um, a lot of air cover from cable networks, including this one. I get that. And so from a strategic perspective, but the question is, is that the right thing to do? No, the right thing to go is to stand and talk about your record. Uh, why shouldn't he have to answer questions? I mean, he's running on things like deporting illegals and building a wall, but he did that in 16 and didn't get it done. So I think he owes answers to those questions. Uh, um, he has not been willing to do that. Obviously, if you go by polling, it hasn't hurt. But I think now that we're in the new year, I think voters uh, do expect you to answer those questions. I think Iowans expect you to show up and debate. But I can tell you on the ground here, uh, we uh, we like where the momentum that we have, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Liar. You like the momentum you have? You're 35 points behind. What momentum is that? Could you please explain? You're just a liar, DeSantis. You're a fraud. You're a liar. By the way, Trump needs to answer these questions. Trump's answered every question there is to answer. He just doesn't answer them to you. You think he owes you an answer. He doesn't. He's doing a town hall taking questions from Iowa voters while you're at some stupid stage screaming and yelling at Nikki Haley and Chris Christie. <laughs> Who's the ass? You are. You're the monkey. You're the monkey in the monkey show. It's about the people. It's not about you. He says, no, it's about you. It's about you, Ron DeSantis, and it's about you, Donald Trump. It's not about the people. The people determine who they'll vote for, but it's about the candidate. It's not about Kevin Slayton. What do you mean it's about the people? I'm not running for office, you imbecile. He should be out there talking about his record. He talks about his record. He talks about it all the time. You want to know why they didn't get the border wall done? You really don't know? You don't know why it didn't get finished? Let me help you out, DeSantis, because apparently you're a little bit slow on the uptake. 
He was stopped by Biden, idiot boy. When the election was stolen, Biden stopped building the wall, even though Trump had secured the funding to complete the wall. Biden wasted, I believe it was $2 million a day by letting everything sit there. I think DeSantis needs a briefing quickly before he really makes an idiot out of himself. Let's talk about your record. Let's talk about what did you do in Florida that was a policy of your own and not something that you copied from Donald Trump. Got anything? I didn't think so. Shut up. Go home. Quit acting like the wounded bitch that you act like because you are a coward. He makes me sick. But you know who Trump likes? Vivek. Well, we like Ramishwamy. You know why? Because he likes Trump. I like I tend, I mean, this is, this is probably a personality defect, but I tend to like people that like me. <laughs> but if you take a look at uh, Hutchison, this guy's still in the race. He's been at zero. Hutchison has been at zero for six months and he's still out campaigning. Ada, I call him Ada. It's Asa. I have to say it's Asa because otherwise they'll say, oh, he didn't know his name. He didn't know. No, I call him Ada. More appropriate name. But no, this guy's out. This guy's out campaigning. He's been at zero. One poll had him zero with an arrow pointing less. That means he's at less than zero for months he's been kept. Does he have nothing better to do? And who opposed? Oh, he says, what about Chris? Please, sir, do not call him a fat pig. We cannot call him. He says, what about Christie? He's a fat pig. You can't, you can't call. No, look. Please do not call Chris Christie a fat pig. Okay? It's not appropriate. Because you're not allowed to use the word fat. Use the word pig, but you can't use the word. (laughs) Don't you love this guy? I mean, I love him. I love him. Please, sir, do not call Chris Christie a fat pig. God, we need him so badly. So badly. By the way, CNN has degenerated so badly itself that, you know, when they say this is CNN, well, this is CNN. On New Year's Eve, they had Anderson Cooper, supposedly a news guy. Uh, He and Andy Cohen, two gay guys, on their New Year's Eve coverage, as if that's the norm in America, everybody's gay. Drinking shots. So much so that Anderson Cooper was laughing like a hyena on national television while trying to cover an event. This is responsible journalism. Okay. Stand it up. Never have I ever... Never have I ever... Another shot coming up in 30 minutes, folks. Um... Oh my God! Never have I ever. Um, please do. Please this will be do. the last shot for us of uh, 2023. Wow! wow. All right. Cheers, everybody! Oh wow! Oh my God! Okay. Okay. She's sputtering now. Um, 
<laughs> Let me do this intro. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, you, John, you are I, in I, Tokyo, I can't Japan. see Anderson, but I know exactly what you look like. Yes. Yes. Yes, you I'm do. Yes, you do. He's gone. He's off yes. with the fairies here. Um, just yes. the shot of the cat's ass in your face is making him delirious. Um, Can you believe that? That's just it's sickening. It's just sickening. Kids are watching New Year's coverage all over the country. Let's drink shots till we're so drunk that I can't, that I laugh like a freaking hyena, which is what Anderson Cooper is and always has been. That was the gay brigade, by the way. They had Andy Cohen, Anderson Cooper, and Neil Patrick Harris. Now, you, you want to talk about shoving your ideology down America's throat. What percentage of this country is gay, do you suppose? 90%? Ha <laughs> ha, funny. And yet 100% of the people on the air at CNN on New Year's Eve were gay. Because after all, if you, if you, if you think that's not right or that's not normal, it's not representative of Americans, you are homophobic. You see, I don't care that they're gay. I care that they want to force us into accepting a gay lifestyle if we don't believe in it. That I care about. And I care about a laughing hyena like Anderson Cooper. About 7% of America, by the way, registers as gay. 7%. Remember how the liberals always say, well, you know, uh, this looks more like America. Do three gay guys getting drunk on New Year's Eve on national television represent America? CNN thinks it does. Pretty interesting. CNN thinks it does. Sebastian Gorka, who worked in the Trump administration, understands what we should understand about how important 2016 was. Look, you have to understand one thing about President Trump, and I love as an immigrant having to remind my fellow Americans who were born here. Do you know what you did in 2016? Americans did something really funky in 2016 because every single president is a member of the political elite. Every single one. Mm-hmm. Former senators, congressmen, governors, or retired generals. Every single one. Along comes a real estate mogul from New York with a reality TV show who's never run for any... I mean, even Reagan couldn't win first time. This guy runs the first time, and he wins. 64 million Americans, as my, my buddy Bongino says, you know, double-barreled middle finger <laughs> to, to, to the political elite, <laughs> elects somebody who's never served as county dog catcher, let alone the president. How does he know how DC works? He's not a politician. Who does? How does he know what Comey's really like? If Comey, you know, uh, brown noses him. This is why round two is going to be different. If we do our part and we get him re-elected, dude, it's going to be very different. It is going to be very different. There will be no James Comey's or Christopher Ray's. There will be no Mitch McConnell having any influence whatsoever. Those days are gone. And what Gorka said is completely accurate. How did he pull it off? That was a double-barreled middle finger to the American uh, elite, and they have never forgiven Trump for it. That's where the psychotic hatred comes in. 
beat them, beat them at their own game that they thought they were good at. How long has climate change been around, do you suppose? Taylor, it didn't start with Taylor Swift, you know, flying her gigantic private jet and then claiming that we should all, you know, walk or ride our bicycle. Back in 1992, I think Paul Harvey, one of the most talented broadcasters in the history of broadcasting, hit it out of the park with regard to climate change. And with the willing complicity of headline-hungry media, a recent crisis of the month had to do with global warming. An ozone hole is opening up over the United States, we were told, the effects of which were already measurable in an increase in skin cancer. On the contrary, destroying chlorine around the polar vortex has been declining since January. A major objective of a recent shuttle mission was to determine the scope and scale of the so-called ozone hole, and the silence since has been deafening from those whose livelihood depends on creating crises. Recent data from the Upper Atmosphere Research Satellites affirms that any problem is less, it's not greater. Ozone levels fluctuate all of the time, partly because of volcanic activity and solar flares. But MIT's technology review has made an exhaustive study of worldwide ocean temperatures since 1851, has concluded that there appears to have been little or no global warming over the past century. In fact, the net rise in world surface temperature during the last century, which was about 1%, almost all occurred before 1940, and that was before aerosols, and that has since been reversed. Carpe diem, Paul Harvey. Now, before we break, I wanted to play this for you, but I wasn't going to because I don't want to give credit to anyone like Alyssa Farrah Griffin or Cassidy Hutchison or... Sarah Matthews, you don't know who she was. She was a deputy press aide in the Trump White House. These are three women who owe their careers to Donald Trump who've decided to join the media leftists and become one of them and try to destroy Trump. Now, remember, none of these women matter. That's why I hesitated to even play it. But I wanted to show you the lengths and the depths and the despair to which liberals will go to find anyone, someone, who will come forward and say something bad about President Trump. These were three women who had nothing to do with the daily machinations of the White House, no authority, no inside information, but they did tell a lot of lies. And Cassidy Hutchison actually wrote a book called Memoirs. Memoirs. She's like 23 years old. It begins with Sarah Matthews, then goes to... Cassidy Hutchison and Alyssa Farrah Griffin, all of them hating Trump and what a second term would look like. Fundamentally, a second Trump term could mean the end of American democracy as we know it. And I, I don't say that lightly. We all witnessed him trying to steal a democratic election before and going to historic and unconstitutional lengths to That's do so. Griffin, by the way. And that just shows that he's willing to basically break every barrier to get into power and to stay into power. But also, um, I'm very concerned what, about what the term would actually look like. We don't need to speculate what a second Trump uh, term would look like because we already saw it play out. To this day, he still doubles down on the fact that 
he thinks that the election was stolen and fraudulent. And then his rhetoric has just gotten increasingly erratic. I mean, he has literally called for things like doing away with parts of the Constitution, wanting to weaponize the DOJ to enact revenge on his political enemies. The fact that he feels that he needs to lean into being a dictator alone shows that he is a weak and feeble man who has no sense of character and integrity and has no sense of leadership. Here are three bitter women for some reason, who knows why, trying to get ahead, failing miserably, acting as though they're some sort of experts on Donald Trump's presidency, and that the American people should listen to them. And that's the only reason I play it. This is how pathetic these three women are. This Alyssa Farrah Griffin. It would be the end of democracy, and I don't say that lightly. Ooh, because your opinion carries so much weight. Alyssa doesn't say it lightly. We better pay attention. She's not saying it lightly. Holy cow. Alyssa Farrah Griffin. She didn't say it lightly. Hmm. I'm not going to say this lightly. I'm going to say it just truthfully. STL-cars.com is simply the best way to get a car. Now, you can choose any way you want. You can be foolish. You can go ahead and go to car dealers. You can do it all day. Waste your weekend. Waste your Saturday in the fall, beautiful fall Saturday. You can waste it. You can go take a look at all these 20, 30 cars on a lot. You'll never see thousands like you will at stl-cars.com. And you can, at the end of the day, maybe have a deal after you've gone to three or four dealerships and beating your head against the wall and argued over $30 paper fees, paperwork fees. Okay, we got a car. I'm exhausted. You go home and your wife says, mow the lawn, will you? Or you could try this way. Go to stl-cars.com. You'll find over a 1,000 vehicles on the website to look at and choose from. Scroll through them. Pick the one you want. Then call or text Don at 314 314- 626-3251. 314-626-3251. And when you call or text Don, you can tell him what you want and then tell him what you want to pay for it. And when you do that, he'll get it for you. That's how quickly and easily you can do it. Now, if there's something that you want that's not on the website, call or text him at the same number, 314-626-3251. Tell him what you want, what you want to pay for it. He'll go get it for you. He has this tremendous collection of inventory all throughout the country. And he'll find it for you, as he did for me. I've purchased three vehicles from him. Uh, The last one was from Tennessee. My son just got an SUV from Alabama, so we know of which we speak. And that's all you have to do. Just tell him he'll go get it. It's as simple as that. STL-cars.com. You'll not beat it. All right, Cleo is up. Hello, Cleo. How are you? Hey, great, Kevin. How you doing, man? I'm doing great also. Hey, you're, tick- you're really tickling me this morning. And some great references. That Paul Harvey X up was great. What a man ahead of his time. He was unbelievable, wasn't he? The most <laughs> talented broadcaster, I think, ever in terms of commentary. He, pr- he probably is, not to mention it. And I also wanted to thank you for the use of that, that term skullduggery that you <laughs> use. <laughs> well, the Democrats are always up to skullduggery. They're always yeah, engaging right. in skullduggery. I had to giggle. Groucho Marx used to use that term all the time. 
Hey, listen, in, in reference to this Claudine Gaines uh, episode, you know, what is it about, uh, I'm sorry to say this, about some many black people and progressive whites, that black people, no matter what, can do no wrong? It is amazing, isn't it? And if you point out that they did do something wrong, when it's obvious, you are a racist. <laughs> let, let me bring, I'm going to give you a true story that happened. This is an example of black people can do no wrong bullcrap. I was a salesman years ago, and I walked into the, my customers to, to see the guy. My apartment was just afternoon time. This was right at the moment they were going to, CBS was going to give you the O.J. Simpson verdict, okay? All right. Okay, I go through this factory. It's mostly ladies of, 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 of mixed, mixed races and, and, and white and black. And, and I happened to be walking through the plant going to see my uh, the foreman there, who's my client. And, they, and CBS has the judge on given, given the verdict. And they said, O.J. Simpson is innocent. Well, all the black people cheered and yelled, every one of them in that factory. If that wasn't the example black people could do no wrong racism, I don't know what is. You're not a kidding. And, and, you know, they tried to color it then as, well, you know, that's black people releasing their frustration and being mistreated by the police. Well, O.J. Simpson... Uh, was acquitted. He wasn't mistreated by the police, as it turned out. He was during the trial and during the investigation. That's why he was acquitted, though, because the cops were dirty, and they, they the prosecutors could not prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. If I were on the jury, I would have voted not guilty, not because he's black, not because he's an athlete. I, I believe he did it, but I would have voted not guilty because they didn't prove it. And that's what you have to do in our system of justice. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. Well, yeah, technically, I know you're right. You're, you're correct legally. But anybody with a half a brain knows he killed. He's a double murder. He killed yes, people. He is. And they got him for it later in Vegas. That was just simply payback. He didn't deserve to go to jail that for that long a period of time for his Vegas shenanigans. But they made sure he paid for the double murders, what they did. It's a shame this society nowadays condones murder, murder of the Jews, hatred of the Jews. It's ridiculous. Well, you know, I, I think this, too. I'm of the belief that while I'm stunned by the anti-Semitism level in this country, and I am stunned by it, I also understand that these groups on these college campuses are bought and paid for by the Soros's of the world. Uh, we, we know that these are not just groups of people just up and saying all of a sudden, we hate Jews. These are people paid to stir up this country in any way that they can do it. But there is clear anti-Semitism as displayed by the black president of Harvard and the white president of Penn and of MIT. You're, you're absolutely right and, and on the Soros connection. And isn't it ironic that Soros is part Jewish? It is ironic. But, you know, that's the thing about that pig. He doesn't care what group he hurts so long as he has ultimate power. That's right. That's right. As long as he overturns the government. Exactly. I think he lives for that. When's this guy going to die anyway? He's in his late 80s. Or well, and, and the other question I have is how many billions of dollars does he have? I mean, here, here's the difference. There are other guys with plenty of billions, too. They just don't do what he does. You know, no, no one who's made a lifetime of luxury for themselves and their family goes into what this guy does. This guy's just a sick pig of a person who would spend their hard-earned money that they spent their whole life earning on hiring a bunch of thug losers 
to run around and cause trouble in the streets of America. Only a, a complete demented psychopath like George Soros. Yeah, uh, and doesn't he live in the USA? I think he does. Yeah, and, and he's obviously trying to overturn the government. I thought that was against the law. Well, it is, except he's not doing it overtly. Uh, these are no. just, these are under the guise of protests. Yeah. Well, anyway, well, thanks thanks for using the skullduggery term. I haven't heard that in years. I man. love it. Thank you, Cleo. You're welcome. Bye. Appreciate it. Well, they'll skullduggery, all right. That's what they're all about, those liberals. They'll do anything. We now know that. And you heard Dr. Tia, or excuse me, Tabia Lee, telling us about it today. They'll do anything. As long as they can force their ideology on America, they will do anything. And we're aware of it. Did you see what Chris Christie said about Nikki Haley, by the way? Uh, the fat pig. I know Donald Trump said it's it's inappropriate to call him a fat pig, but I, I just did. I slipped. He said that Nikki Haley would eat glass for the chance to be Donald Trump's running mate. This from a guy who begged Donald Trump for a position in his first administration. Begged him. It's incredible, isn't it? What a fraud Chris Christie really is. <laughs> Christie claims, of course, he spoke this weekend with an unnamed, unnamed South Carolina politician who knows Nikki Haley really well. And they suggested that she'd jump at the chance to join Trump on the ticket. He said the person said to him, Governor, she would eat glass to get the vice presidential nomination under Trump. Don't you get the feeling that this guy, Christie, is a plant by the Democrats to try to disrupt the primary season for the Republican Party? He's not a Republican. He's a traitor to the Republican cause. He's a fraud. He sucked up to Donald Trump like nobody did. And then when Trump told him to pound salt, all of a sudden he hates Trump. Now he hates Nikki Haley for some reason, I guess, because she's beating his fat ass in the polls too, but who isn't? The only person who's not beating Christie is Ada Hutchinson, as Trump calls him. <laughs> he said, doesn't he have anything better to do? It's the truth. What are you out campaigning for? You get you get zero. The egos of these people are runaway. That includes DeSantis, Haley, Vivek to some degree, although I think Vivek does want to be vice president. I love Trump in that clip where he says, we like Vivek. It's a character flaw, but we tend to like people that like us. Isn't that all humanity? Don't we tend to like people who like us? I think we pretty much do. Trump's just honest, honest enough to say it, that's all. It's kind of where we all are, though. All right, folks, that's going to wrap us for today. Don't forget today at noon on 590 The Fan and 590TheFan.com, the Monster Energy Drink, STL-Cars.com, Kings Court Sports Show. And uh, then tomorrow morning, of course, the current event show right here again on KevinSlatonShow.com. You'll hear the podcast here momentarily. Spread the good word. The Monster Energy Drink, STL-Cars.com family of shows are the best in the country. Love you, Mom. Love you, Dad. Love you, Maureen. So long, everybody.